Do you have a story to tell about a terrible medical conversation? I want to hear from you. Please email me at christine at christinemeyermd.com. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More, where we are digging into some bad healthcare conversations in the hopes of creating better ones. My guest today is Pam, and Pam actually is going to talk about her experience with her parents who were diagnosed with cancer, both parents, different types of cancer over several years. The interesting thing about Pam's conversations is that they both take place in very well-known, world-renowned medical centers, tertiary care centers. You know, people flock to these places from all over the world to get the best care. And the conversations in each place were very, very different. And not just that, not only were the conversations different, the treatments recommended were different, and the outcomes could have been drastically different based on those conversations. So a lot to unpack in this episode, but really, you know, talking a lot about the culture of a place and how that culture bleeds into a conversation and how the conversation bleeds into a treatment and a potential outcome for a patient. So Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. So let's start with your dad's story. So long time ago, 13 years ago, your dad was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how old was he when he was diagnosed? Mm, I'd say mid sixties. All right. So so he's in his sixties and you are, you know, obviously his daughter, you work in healthcare. You're not a physician, but you work in healthcare. So you have some of the comfort level in dealing with these type of facilities and conversations. So you go along with your dad to his appointments, right? So the cancer's diagnosed and your dad first presents to an ear, nose, and throat surgeon, right? Actually, just an ear, nose, and throat provider who had um, caught it with the initial biopsy. Got it. So that person was local, you know, in the area Mm -hmm. where your dad lives. And Mm -hmm. then, then what happens once you have the biopsy results and you know that this is cancer and you need to seek further care? What's the next thing that happens? Yeah. So we met with that provider who, you know, made recommendations locally to have it taken care of. And I had already by that point was like, all right, this is very major. This is not a little thing, you know, this is kind of a big deal. So we're going to want to get opinions to make sure we're on the right track. I think by that point, we had already had consultations set up, not just with the local ENT who had caught it with the first biopsy, who, you know, we were thankful for, but also with two larger, you know, university level providers, you know, here on the East Coast. When we were in that appointment locally with the local ENT, you know, he was recommending, he said, oh, well, we have a local outfit, you know, we have local surgeons, da, 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 da. And I said, well, you know, we're going to go here and we're going to go there for, you know, second opinions. And um, the comment he made that I'll never forget was, well, I don't really think this is a university level case. 
wow, what? <laughs> okay. I'm like, hmm. well, this is my dad and I only have one of him. So to me, it's university level. Like, who are, what do you base that on? You know? Hmm. And there wasn't any like technical reason for it or, you know, anything like that. It was just kind of dismissive. And the provider was very kind throughout the appointment, but that comment was a little odd. So I don't know if he felt like it was a snub because it really wasn't. I'm just like, hey, this is, you know, the only dad I have, I'm I'm going to pull out all the stops here. Like that's, you know, anybody would. So, right. Yeah. That was a little funny, but. Because, <laughs> you know, doctors, we've talked a lot about doctor egos and, you know, I can see how, like for me, for example, if I am the doctor that made a diagnosis and I'm no, you know, rock star diagnostician or anything, but if I get a patient to a diagnosis and then I'm like, okay, so we figured out what it is and now we need to treat it. And here's what I think we should do. And that patient turns around and says, you know what? Yeah. Thanks for getting me this far and giving me my diagnosis, but mm, I don't think you're good enough to treat me. I need to go downtown. Right. I mean, I, mm. I can see how that would feel like a snub, but pulling myself out of it, you know, not as a doctor, but as a human being who has parents and a family, what would I want for my family? I would want the absolute best possible care. And we happen to be in an area where it is not hard to get university level care, right? We're in the Northeast. We've got New York, we've got Baltimore, we've got Philadelphia and just Boston, you know, so many wow. fantastic settings that like, why wouldn't you? So, mm -hmm. you know, that doctor did his job good, made reasonable recommendations, but you already, your, your brain is turning and you're already set up to go to these university level places to get second and potentially third opinions for your dad, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So then what, what was the first place you went? So the first place we went was... I would say arguably slightly closer to home than the second and, um, you know, great reputation, no problem there, blah, blah, blah. And, um, go to department of otolaryngology because that's, you know, the area we're dealing with. Love that word. And, um, <laughs> so going into cities, you know, both are located in a city, you know, it's, it's always a little bit of a challenge when you live out in the burbs. If you don't do that regularly, which, you know, my parents at their age, they don't, you know. Right. So that was a little daunting, but I believe we actually were trained in on that one, you know, whatever. So managed to find our way, which was good. Got up, got in there again, 13 years ago. So it's a little hard to remember some of it. But from what I remember, the staff was decent, you know, it was a beautiful facility, you know, staff was decent, got us all set up vitals or whatever, I'm sure. And then we were waiting for the surgeon to come in. So the first place we went was surgeons because sometimes with that type of cancer, you operate and sometimes you don't, you know, it just, it just depends. Right. So, you know, that was, that was happened to be where we struck first. And I'm pretty sure we had to make sure that things were submitted, uh, biopsy results, you know, that kind of thing ahead of time. I'm pretty sure they asked for a packet of info with that one. Right. Because places like that, I mean, they want to make sure that you're worthy or your dad is worthy of their time, right? So they want to sure. see everything Absolutely. and review everything and make sure that, you know, like the initial doctor said, that this is worthy of a university type consultation. The whole thing just boggles my mind. But I mean, I guess when you have patients flocking from all over the world, you have to be a little selective in the cases you take to consult on because everybody's time is limited. So you guys went through that process for this initial 
tertiary care university level opinion. You sent all the stuff, you biopsies and records and information. And that's not an easy thing to collate and get somewhere, especially 13 years ago, right? Back then, no. Yeah. We, you know, with electronic health records, my industry, um, being the way they are, you know, (laughs) it's, it's a lot easier in some ways for providers to get information, but back then, not so much. So I get it. I mean, nobody wants to go into a meeting unprepared. So you want as much info as you can get, you know? Right. So we're obviously perseverating about this records thing for a reason, right? So here you are, you're in the room, you, you've you done your part, you've shown up, you've done the travel, you've had the records sent, you've geared yourself up for this superstar doctor that's going to come in. And what happens? Doc comes in, he's, you know, got a, you know, fit looking person, you know, brusque demeanor, which, you know, again, surgeons aren't necessarily known for their bedside manner because that's not what they do. And that's not what you need them for. You need them to, you know, be skillful and, and do what they do best, which is tough people. So um, very skillful. So comes in, you know, kind of high energy person, you know, this and that. Eh, probably not super friendly, but we've dealt with that before in the past. So we're like, all right, fine, whatever, you know. And sat down, started talking about what that type of cancer is, you know, and well, it's, you know, based upon the lymph node and da 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 and da-da-da-da, and the way we've treated things like this in the past is, you know, through surgery, and we have robotic surgery, and this is, you know, it's a wonderful thing, and because, you know, statistics show that blah, 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 blah. So he had a lot of statistics show, statistics show, and started firehosing those at us, and course my parents are sitting there deer in the headlights like oh my gosh because he also started fire hosing bad statistics you know well if mm. you don't do this then blah 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 you know this is going to happen and that could happen and da 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 and this is coming out and i'm kind of sitting there looking at it like okay but what about this case you know i haven't after about 10 minutes of this fire hose of statistics i'm like yeah, so in this particular, and I kind of interjected a couple times and was like, so in this particular case, do you think X or do you think Y or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd just come out with some more statistics about why, you know, robotic surgery was the best option. Blah, 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 blah. And finally, I started, sometimes I'm slow to the punch with this stuff because <laughs> it's not how I would go into the situation. And I kind of started to realize, I'm like, he isn't talking about my dad. He's mm. just talking about statistics and about maybe what he wants to do. And I'm like, wait a second. So then I asked a couple of point blank questions. I say, yeah, but on this, you know, exam where blah, 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 this happened, you know, or do you see a difference with this and this and this? Or what about the history of such and such? And you kind of look at me. Well, da, 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 and he just go through it. And finally, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, you never even read his chart. Mm, oh my goodness because i'm getting this impression that you're not you're like oh this is just another candidate for the surgery i performed that i'm really really good at and blah 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 blah. and you know i'm like but is that the best for this patient like this one sitting in front of you and yeah i never really got that answer and i started to get really angry and i'm looking at him side of my eye how terrified my parents were becoming listening to this and I'm like, great. Now you just scared the hell out of them. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> you know, I got to deal with that too. And finally I tried a couple more times, got nowhere and, you know, maybe got a little snub. And then I finally was like, 
you know, and he's like, well, do you have any questions? Blah, blah. And I finally looked at him. I said, yeah, I think we're done here. Wow. And my dad kind of <laughs> looked at me like, what? Cause that's not really me usually. And I got up <laughs> and I'm like, we're done here. <laughs> and the guy was like, wow. oh, well, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, don't call us. We'll call you like, you know, whatever. And I was mad by the time I left. I was furious. And, and largely just because I was like, you didn't talk to the person in front of you. You didn't review that. And you also just scared the crap out of them. They don't need to be more scared than they are. They're not stupid. They know what this is. Right. You know? And yeah, that was not okay. <laughs> so let's recap that for a second. Yes, egos happen. Egos in surgeons in university level medical centers happen. I mean, these guys make a name for themselves. They bring a lot of business and research dollars and so on to these universities. You know, some of these doctors have entire wings devoted to their procedures that they do. So they are the be all and end all, at least in in their mind, right? So this particular doctor comes in and he clearly knows basal tongue cancer right? He knows about that disease, but he's talking to you guys in terms of the disease, not your father, who's the patient, has this disease. He's talking to you statistically about how the disease is managed, not how the patient is managed. And that is immediately palpable to you. You get it because he's speaking to you in generalities. He's not saying, well, because your dad is X, Y, and Z old, or because your dad also has this condition, he's basically just saying, this is how we manage this disease. And you also got the sense that he really wanted to do his procedure. He'd been perfecting a particular robotic procedure, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, you know, by all accounts is really, really good at it. So can't knock that, but I mean, I did my background Googling, you know, but, of course. but yeah, I'm like, it's not, this is a particular patient. You, this yeah. is a living being, like, we're not just widgets coming through an assembly line. Like you gotta, not cool. <laughs> right. You gotta be, you know, go to the personal side of the human being sitting in front of you. And I think this is really important too, because throughout all of these episodes we've done, the, the recurrent theme is Patients always say like at the end, well, advocate for yourself. You know, if you think something doesn't sound right or feel right, advocate for yourself. But that tends to be where that advice stops. Like no one ever says this is how you advocate for yourself. So in your case, you're like, all right, so I'm sensing this guy's talking in generalities, not talking about my dad. So I'm going to ask him some very specific questions about my dad and see how he responds. And Mm -hmm. he fails. He does not go, he doesn't answer you appropriately. He doesn't seem to know anything about your dad's history. Clearly all that effort to get the records and blah, 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 didn't matter at all. So he fails a couple of your litmus tests. And then the way you as the representative of your family advocate for them is you say, no, thank you. We're done here. And that, listen, that takes balls, man. There's no other way to say it. Like you've waited such a long time. You've like gone into the city. You've had this traumatic experience. Cause I know with people, you know, older people in their sixties and beyond, like 
going anywhere outside of their, you know, five mile radius is traumatic. So you do all of this and you're in the presence of this person who's, you know, godlike mm. in a lot of ways. And you're like, nope, <laughs> bye. <laughs> I mean, bye, Felicia. Like, Oh you know, God. It, oh man, that yeah. so that to me, like for everybody listening, that to me is how you advocate for yourself. You don't let the process and the time invested and the, you know, ooh, persona keep you from doing what you need to do, which in your case was get your dad out of there. This was not going to be the doctor for you. So you did that amazing. And fortunately for your family, you had, you had thought ahead and you're like, we're going to get now a second opinion. We may even need a third opinion. So we're going to do that. So you have an appointment. Uh, your third opinion is where? So the third appointment was at Johns Hopkins University down in Baltimore, which, you know, I grew up voting on the Chesapeake Bay. So we'd spent time in Baltimore. So it wasn't like my folks had never been there. So that was a little comforting. You know, if you've never been there, kind of a cool city. Great. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we planned the day out and we're like, all right, we're jumping in the car, we're driving down 95, like, this is what we're doing. And, and, you know, I can remember initially, even and my folks aren't too, too bad about traveling, you know, not as bad as some, but they were like, Oh, well, maybe we shouldn't, it's kind of far. And I was just like, No, no, like, it's not that far. Like, this is your you only got, you only got one of these, your head and neck, like you only got one. So we're not, we're not playing around. It's not like a finger, you know, I lost a finger, well, I got nine others. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> we're going. They're like, okay. So, you know, so we get down there and same typical scenario. We were starting initially with surgeon. Happened to be a name we managed to get through a family member that worked at another university hospital and said, Oh, I heard I got knew someone that worked up there and they said this guy was good. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So kind of went in cold turkey, you know, just to see what would happen. Similar thing, was able to get there, find our way, you know, staff was kind, you know, no problems there. I don't remember if they, you know, same thing, had to get the information to them, get them the packet of info. Don't remember when we were there if they um, did the little nose scope or not. I kind of don't think so on the initial visit. I know they didn't do it the first consultation we had with the other place. Big difference. Very accomplished surgeon, you know, knew, knew the whole rigmarole about all of this. And yes, there's so often surgery. They also do the surgery, the robot surgery, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, different conversation was very conversational, was not hyper. <laughs> Even if he was hyper by nature, he must have hit it well. Um, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't um, a fire hose of information at you. He had all the information. It wasn't that he didn't. He just kind of didn't staccato it at you, which I think is nice. You know, sometimes you just want to say, dude, take a breath. <laughs> you know, like right. I can follow what you're saying, but chances are they're like, eh, you know, so no, not at all. You know, it was in his office. That's right. It was in his office, you know, and he did kind of look in, you know, just visually or whatever and reviewed all the information. And he was like, yeah, you know what? He said, I don't think I am going to operate on you. And this is why. And he said, based on what your tests showed and based on this and based on what I'm seeing and blah, 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 blah. And you know, and peering in and, you know, and actually looking at it, you know, I don't know if he was like the shape of your, you know, mouth box. I don't even remember what it was, but, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't think that's the route we want to go. And he said, and there are, you know, a lot of side effects of having this surgery, which the other provider had mentioned too. 
but it's very invasive. It can mess up your eating. It can mess up your speech. It can mess up, you know, and some of that you don't get back depending on where exactly it is and how much they have to take out and what they actually do. So he was very concerned about outcomes and he spoke to that. You know, everything came back to that, which was very important, at least to us, because we're, you know, the patient's the one that has to live with it. Right. Whatever you do right. to them. So, so, so this doctor, so if we're comparing and contrasting your experiences, so this doctor at Hopkins is also an ENT surgeon who understands this particular type of tongue cancer, but he says to you, I don't think surgery is your option here. And that's so, I always think this. I think if a doctor tells you that the thing they do is not the thing for you, that's an A plus doctor in my mind, because like, this is what they do. They all like, we all think we're the best at everything. And we make a living doing the thing that we're the best at. So to be able to say like, yeah, true, I know how to do this. And I could do this, but I don't think it's the right thing for you. I mean, that's a doctor who really cares about, like you said, the outcome for the patient. So as opposed to, if you don't do my procedure, here's all the bad things that could happen. He says, we could do the surgery, but if we do, here are the other bad things that could happen. So he proposes to your family that you not have surgery. So ultimately, what did you do? And even just with the demeanor, I mean, we, you know, if, if that provider had said to us, yeah, I think you do need it, and this is why... For your particular case, hey, then that's, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that the confidence we had with someone who actually said, this is my opinion and why based on you, that was the important part. So that surgeon got us hooked up with radiation oncology. We then had an appointment. I don't think it was same day. It probably was within a week or so. And it was very close. They, they did not say, oh, well, we'll see you in three months. That was the other thing that was nice. They got you in fast. And subsequent dealings with them, they have always been that way, um, which is almost unheard of in this day and age. I don't know how they do it. But um, and we followed up with radiation oncology. The radiation oncologist was an amazing, amazing, amazing individual. And so he ended up having radiation five days a week for about six weeks, six or seven weeks, I think it was very targeted, very pinpointed. He had some chemo, but it was like a dose, I want to say every two weeks in there. So I think he only had three rounds of that total. And yeah, it was remarkable. And his um tolerance of it, his radiation's hard, no matter how much of it you get, it's hard on you yes, physically. Yes. He did really well. At the time they were doing, you know, because of where it is, it can radiation burns, it can burn your throat, it can whatever. So then you need a feeding tube or you're not going to whatever. He had one put in and then never had to use it because yeah. they were so careful about what they were doing. We had uh, another family acquaintance with the exact same procedure who was on his in like two weeks because, you know, of the extreme burning and scarring to the area. So you said the radiation oncologist was an amazing, amazing person. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to tell me what about this doctor struck you that way. I think this, that's so important. Yeah. Put it this way. If he showed up on my doorstep, I'd be like, here's, here's my house. Just take it over. Like, oh, you're that, he's that kind wow. of guy. I mean, yeah, just calm, confident, caring, knowledgeable, 
always said, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is why. How are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, did anybody get this for you? And then it happened. You know, most of the time it would happen anyway. You know, a rare occasion when my dad would call and need an appointment. Because again, we're driving from with traffic. Sometimes it takes two hours to get there. I mean, it's not, you know, usually it's only about an hour and a half hour and 40, but we're from far away. We can't just pop over, you know, because somebody forgot something. Yes. Um, but the coordination was huge and patience with any question you had, any, anything you had just, but also top level in his field top-level researcher, had been at previous other institutions, including the other one we looked at in the past, which I found out with Google, just, you know, just an outstanding person in his field, but also just an outstanding person. So he, yeah, I mean, he had that, that was in April, started that in April, finished up, you know, May, end of May, beginning of June. My dad was water skiing in September. Oh my God, so, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your experience with the care at Hopkins was just vastly different. A surgeon amazing. who didn't think surgery was right because he was looking at your dad, not at statistically tongue cancer. Here's how we treat tongue cancer. This doctor was like, here's how we treat your dad. And then the radiation oncologist, I, I think I understand the type of doctor you mean because it's, it is the kind of doctor I think we all strive to be, where your job is not just your job. Your job is to advocate for that patient in every which way. So, you know, if you're the doctor in front of this patient and they need a glass of water, you need to make sure they get a glass of water, that they get what they need at the moment, whether or not mm-hmm. it's in your sphere to do. And, you know, in, in healthcare, like any institution, I think that culture flows from the top. So if the doctor commands that we are here to advocate for this patient, then everybody else, the medical assistant, the receptionist, you know, everybody is also on board with that culture to advocate for the patient, which it seems like Hopkins gets that right. And I obviously you and I are having a very specific conversation about your dad, but I hear that so much specifically about Johns Hopkins. And we actually had a family member who had a bone marrow transplant at Hopkins and no bone marrow transplant is a great experience. It's it's hard, 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 but they really have their act together. So plug for Johns Hopkins, but for all of the reasons that you mentioned there, and specifically for those doctors. But then you had more recently another experience in the cancer world with your mom, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell me yep. about that. Sure. So I'm thinking it was 2021. Yeah. So treatment was in like February, 2021. So she, um, you know, was very diligent with her healthcare, always followed up with mammograms, this and this and that. Now here she is in her mid seventies and pops up with a blip on her mammogram and it's cancer, you know, and which is not typical, apparently, for once you start getting past a certain age, but there it was. So that was not fun, (laughs) you know, news to get. So she was always great about going for mammograms locally, which, you know, shout out to some of the local establishments. They are always very good about taking care of you when you go for a mammogram, which um, she has for years. So found out about that. All right, fine. You know, the primary care provider was the one that got the news, you know, about that, because it was just a routine, you know, whatever. So then said, 
call locally, we'll, we'll get you in, blah, blah, blah. So got in with a local surgeon for an evaluate, you know, for a consultation to see where we go from here. Local surgeon was nice, you know, empathetic, uh, which was important, but had a little, was kind of like, well, you could do this or you could do that. Mm. Okay. Well, you could do a lumpectomy or you could do a mastectomy. And I'm like, well, those are two very, very different undertakings right. in terms of recovery. And so, yeah, what, you know, which would you recommend? And, and it seems to be a little bit of a trend with providers and probably because of the climate, you know, everybody's consumers of healthcare are very quick to complain. You know, they, maybe they don't want to offer that opinion or they don't want to be on the hook for that or I don't know, but bottom line, you're the expert, not me. So if it was you going for it or your mother or your child or, you know, what would you do? You know, ultimately the provider, I think when I teased it out a little bit, was leaning towards the lumpectomy, but then was saying, well, you know, and we do, of course we do radiation, you know, we do, I said, well, what would that entail? And she said, well, five days a week for about, you know, four or five weeks. And I'm thinking, okay, I watched that on a younger person 10 years ago to do that to my mother at this age, like that's, that's intense. That is intense and not a good time. So I was like, Ooh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. And this was stage one, which they tell you, Hey, if you have to have it, this is the best one to have, mm-hmm. you know, the best prognosis, best, whatever. So, you know, we had that conversation. We're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll follow up with your whatever, probably get another, you know, I don't even remember if I said we'd get another opinion, but she and I knew based on our last experience as a family that we'll probably want to tap them too. So, I mean, we walked out of the building and I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, yeah, I'm going to call Johns Hopkins. And she's like, yeah, I think we should <laughs> just, wow. just because, you know, let's just cover our bases. Maybe we get the same answer. Maybe we don't, but let's cover our bases. So I actually, speaking of that radiation oncologist my dad had, I actually called them, called him got his nurse and said, Hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, you know, I'm so-and-so's daughter, you know, been a patient of Dr. So-and-so, you know, for years. And now I need a recommendation. Who do you have down there for breast cancer surgery? You know, like if, if his wife was going, who would he recommend? And she goes, Hmm, let me find out for you. So I'm like, well, I probably won't get a call back. Yeah. I think I had a call back. If I didn't have a call back later that day, it was like the next morning. And she called back and she said, yeah, Here's his three recommendations. So he gave me three. She gave me three. And I said, okay. I said, out of the three, who would you pick? Mm-hmm. She goes, mm, so-and-so. And I said, okay. I said, any particular reason? She said, just, just look them up. I said, okay. So get on the trusty Google. It's the chief of breast surgery at Johns Hopkins. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Enough said. I'm yeah. Never going to get an appointment, right? Pick up the phone. I think I had an appointment in a week and a half, maybe. Yeah. Oh my God. So down we go what? and here we go again, you know, big time dude, big, you know, big time, whatever, obviously knows their stuff. You would not think you could smile walking out of a meeting like that, but my mom <laughs> actually did. And she was wow. like, wow. I said, well, how do you what? feel about that? And she was like, kind of good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, you know, here we are again, you know, just same thing. Reviewed the case, just was like, well, this is what I think we should do. And this is why and you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, in these particular cases, just like you're presenting, we do this. And this is why, you know, we do went back to me. And this is why, you know, and I said, so not, you know, hold on. and he's like, 
no, that's not, not for this particular reason. And it's just very pinpointed. Met with their radiation oncologist. She thought, I said, all right, well, what are you guys thinking? And she said, oh, she said, well, these are good to treat. This is, you know, research shows, blah, 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 blah. And then we're going to do five rounds of radiation. I said, oh, I said five weeks, you know, same as what you mentioned, what the other surgeon mentioned. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She goes, no, five rounds of radiation. Rounds? She said, yeah, you can either do it once a week for five weeks or you can do, you know, them clustered like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. I said, that's it? And she said, yeah, yeah. And because of this study and this study, and this is what they're showing and blah, blah, blah. And when she said, well, the five, you know, the clustered together has, a, you know, a couple years less data, but it's still 10 years of data versus 15 or whatever it was. And I'm like, wow, okay, big difference. You know, again, I'm looking just at this thing. I'm, you know, this particular thing, this is how we want to treat it for her. I was like, sold. <laughs> wow. So, so this is interesting because you had the very first doctor you saw, well, the second doctor, the, the tertiary care doctor you saw with your dad, the, you know, the guy that was like fire hose of information at you, just da, 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 da. So that guy told you, this is what we are going to do. No option, no opinion. What do you think? This is what we're going to do for this cancer, not your dad for this cancer. Then, you know, on the totally opposite end of the spectrum, you see the initial breast surgeon with your mom, who's kind and empathetic, but also maybe a little wishy-washy, like, hey, you could do this or you could do that. You could do this or you could do that. And probably has good reasons for both, but doesn't really help you make a decision. She kind of puts it on you. And who knows why? You know, we could dig into that for hours and hours and hours. But it seems like the truth really is somewhere in the middle, right? Like, don't make the decision for me. Don't make, don't put me on a path towards the thing you want to do because it's your thing. Uh, but also don't leave the decision completely up to me because I'm not an expert. Guide me, help me, tell me my options, but also give me a choice with facts to back it up. Is that right? Yeah, so exactly. That- that's, that's, wow, that's hard. I mean, I'm thinking about the, the bowl of porridge and it's hot, it's cold. <laughs> it has to be just right. <laughs> Which is, to be honest with you, I've been in practice so long now. That's what we do. That's what we are supposed to do. We are not supposed to be robots, either this or that. We need to be able to finesse situations and information and presentations of that information based on the patient we have in front of us. That is really the, that's the art of medicine as opposed to the science, which every doctor you've talked to gave you science and good science. So they wouldn't be in the positions they were in, but it's really the art of presenting that information. That's so critical. Mm -hmm. So did your mom ultimately get her treatment at Hopkins? She did. Yep. Yep, she ultimately got her treatment, and they were very, um, especially, you know, lumpectomies, lumpectomy, which is fine. The difference in choice between do you go, you know, once a week for five weeks or cluster them together, you know, we distilled that down a little bit. And, you know, based on her particular person, you know, my lifestyle, I'm working full time, bring her down, da, da, da. You know, she was like, oh, I don't want you driving that much. I'm like, look, 
we're going to do it right and we're going to hit it. Like, this is just, you know, like, let's just do it right and get it done. I'll figure it out. Ultimately, you know, we picked the, the cluster it together version. But I asked, I said, so outcomes, again, since they were so hyper about outcomes, which is great. I said, so is it going to be more concentrated? Is she going to be in pain more by having it clustered together? Like, what do you see? You know, is it going to be a worse sunburn or, you know, whatever? And, mm-hmm. and they said, no. She, they said, actually, the only difference is it takes two weeks. It takes about two weeks, 10 days for it to appear if you cluster it together versus the other one. And they said, well, you know, the, the five, once a week, five weeks has a longer set of or uh, over more years of data you know that that research has been out for a little longer so that's where they kind of left the decision up the air you know we've done it both ways we're okay with both ways you tell us you know which way you want so and that's what we ultimately did and it worked out really well really well for her amazing and are both your parents doing well right now Knock on wood, both cancer free, oh, both amazing. You know, living Yay. there, out there doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I love doing, that's amazing. Doing really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you could leave our guests, Pam, with very specific advice about navigating those superstar mm-hmm. university level settings and university level doctors and university level egos, uh, mm-hmm. what would your best advice be? Don't forget they work for you. Oh, interesting. You know, at the end of the day, you're paying the bill, just like when you take your car to the mechanic. You know, if you took your car to the mechanic and the mechanic was like, and you took your car to the mechanic and you said, there's something wrong with the tire. And the mechanic said, well, I'm going to fix the air conditioning. And you're like, that's <laughs> great, but that's not why I'm here. <laughs> this is a show. If I fix the air conditioning, everything else works out really well. That's great. That's not why I'm here. You would take your car somewhere else. If you would do that for your car, why would you not do that for yourself? Oh, amazing. You know? That is that is that is lovely, lovely information. Right. We doctors are here to serve our patients and we you are the customer, you are the person who is helping us pay our bills. Like we need to put our service to you ahead of everything, ahead of our own egos. And there is no real other industry, I would say, where you would tolerate that, where you would tolerate a doctor's ego when it had a direct impact on your outcome. So, right, yeah. And, and, a, and listen- you know, and this is a plug for the docs out there, because I'm, I'm definitely not a doctor hater, because um, I work with them every day. But the system is usually not set up for doctors to provide that kind of care. It's not. And it's very complicated. There's not a lot of easy answers. You know, if they seem rushed with you, yeah, they are rushed. And there's, there's, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're, you know, they don't care. It's not any of those things. It's just, they're probably not in an environment that allows them to do how they'd probably rather do it. So, you know, you want to keep that empathy in the back of your mind while at the same time, making sure you and your loved ones get what you need because it is out there especially where we live. We don't live in the middle of nowhere where it's 500 miles in either direction to find a hospital. So don't bash them and say they're horrible people because they're not, you know, but do find what you need and don't take, you know, if you don't like what you hear the first time, then ask again, find another one. Mm. That's such great advice, Pam. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your family's journeys. I'm so glad to hear your parents are okay. 
for everyone listening, I guess the lesson here is, yeah, like we've said almost at the end of every single episode, advocate for yourself. But Pam really gave us very concrete advice on how to do that. You know, intervene in the conversation, interrupt, ask pointed questions. And then ultimately, if you're not getting the answers that you want, don't feel compelled to stay in that appointment. Just say like, okay, thank you very much. We're we're moving on. I think it takes some guts to do that. And I'm so glad you did. Clearly, it had a direct impact on your parents, Pam. If you have had a terrible or great conversation in healthcare, I want to hear from you. Please email me, christine at christinemeyermd. I can't wait for you to tell me more. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer, MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare. 